are geek-centric, and you can be too. I'm J-Law, but you can call me Justin, and welcome to our special Behind the Geeks episode for the Apple TV original series, Foundation. If you're joining us for the first time, well, we are Geek-Centric, a podcast celebrating the world of movies, TV shows, toys, collectibles, gaming, and all things Geek-Centric. Joining me for today's special foundational episode, <laughs> he's sort of foundational, actually, he's crucial, but he's a bit of a peasant as well. Nate Shelton, how are you, my friend? <laughs> Greetings, Empire. I'm a peasant. <laughs> I say. I would just, you know, again, uh, you know, full disclosure, I fell off of this show after uh, a couple episodes into season one, so I haven't watched it all the way through. You are the foundation expert, uh, which is why we are. Well, then uh, I think here you, today. sir. I guess I am the peasant. Would be the peasant. I guess I am. Yeah. Bow I, down <laughs> bow to me <laughs> as ruler. Of the galaxy. Uh, I'm doing good, man. I, this was a lot of fun, and I, uh, I'm i excited to, to kind of talk a little bit more about this show. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. And before we introduce uh, who we're talking to today, as I mentioned, you're a huge fan of the show. Uh, you've, you've, you've watched all of season one when it initially dropped, and mm -hmm. you definitely watched all of season two in preparation for these interviews. Uh, so for our, our listeners who are joining us, who are fans of this show, you know, I, I know we can't necessarily get into a formal review discussion, but what were some of the big highlights and takeaways from this, this season? Obviously remaining spoiler free. Oh, yeah. Uh, but what were some of the big highlights and takeaway for you in terms of enjoyment in comparison to the first season? season well i think first off um you know for folks who are maybe like yourself if you're listening to this and you've not uh you know maybe you you saw who we were interviewing you wanted to hear hear from them directly but maybe you're, you've not watched uh foundation um you know foundation it, it's a book series isaac asimov uh wrote them uh, a billion million years ago it feels like <laughs> um at long before either of us were born um and I would say visually and, and from a lot of ways in, in terms of like design language and scale and scope, uh, you know, I think this show is very similar to Dune in a lot of ways. If you've seen Dune, uh, shares design language with things like Star Wars and Star Trek. Um, but I will say the coolest thing to, to, to note about all that as you're maybe watching trailers for this series uh, is that this is actually what inspired those stories. So, you know, while we're now just getting to see it on, you know, on the screen, um, the, you know, a lot of what you're maybe watching and a lot of sort of the, uh, we're going to say it a lot, but the foundation for what you know in terms of modern day sci-fi came from Isaac Asimov's uh, foundation. Uh, and so, yeah, I think, you know, this season is, it's bigger than season one. Um, I think... You know, a, a lot of uh, people, and I think even yourself, Justin, in our conversations, have compared Foundation to something like Game of Thrones in space. Um, and I think it, I think it really has the legs to get there, especially after this season. I think a lot of people uh, I know, including myself, weren't fully locked into Game of Thrones, um, or 
you know, hadn't really even gotten into it until after two seasons had already happened. And then people started really talking about it based off of what I've, what I've watched of season one and now season two, I really do think this show has the legs to, to get there. Uh, will it ever be at the height of Game of Thrones? I have no idea. But as far as from what I've seen and from what I've watched, it is one of those shows that I think um, there's some incredible performances in this show and especially in this season. And I think this season, as far as, you know, and I get it, it's the second season. So it is meant to feel more um, accessible in the sense that you already sort of have a, a, a groundwork for where the characters are at. But you have to be reminded there, or, or made aware of the fact that this show takes place over hundreds, sometimes thousands of years in terms of different timelines that we're getting here. So for, you know, for a lot of folks, I think that might, that might sort of rub you the wrong way. I do feel like season two uh, is, you know, aside from already knowing the characters, it is so much more accessible. It feels more streamlined. Uh, and I, I could just, I was able to follow it so much more than season one. And I, I think if you're watching season one, you're kind of on the fence, lock in because season two was fantastic. Yeah. You know, I tried to jump onto this show, uh, early on, but I think I found it, um, too overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, my history with game of Thrones is that I didn't jump into game of Thrones until season six. Uh, so I was, I was on for the, I, I was tuned in for the last season, where I was watching it, you know, week to week. Uh, but before that, I, I never, I never touched it. it. It literally was through the excitement and the fandom that uh, I sort of found my way into it. So who knows? You know, I think that with a show like this, you know, as you said, it it is a sci-fi origin story for so many of the stories that we've talked about, like like Star Wars, like Dune. Um, I think the advantage that obviously those stories have in in the sense of you know, being uh, realized in, in, you know, movies and, and TV shows, whatever you may have, is that they they inevitably got there sooner than Foundation, whereas Foundation now feels like um, it is a, a uh, influential uh, sci-fi story that is being told on a grand scale because of the work that has been achieved with Star Wars, Dune, Game of Thrones, all of these things that, you know, insightfully are inspired from uh, foundation. So it's great that, you know, you're, you're enjoying it. There is a, 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 a niche following to these stories that people really do appreciate and are, you know, are enjoying uh, seeing them come to life. So all power to, to the entire team that's committed to bringing this epic, epic story to life. Well, and I, I will just say, you know, I think season one was one of those where I, you know, I watched the finale on a plane. You know what I mean? I watched it on an iPad, and it was one of those things where it's like that. That could seem like quite a dish, the way but I think it at was the time, intended to be watched, it, right? right? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think though, I think you know, watching it in that way, um, I found that the 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 visuals were fine, um, but they weren't what you would expect from the caliber of story. Whereas I find that with this season. The production design has just gotten a complete boost. The visuals are are exactly where I would expect them to be. And I think, you know, from a standpoint of, in terms of season one, I would have disconnected probably earlier from the show 
had it not been for the amazing performances. And speaking of that cast, why don't we get to uh, our lovely interviews? Nate, as you were mentioning, you had a chance to sit down with quite a few people from the show. Yeah. Uh, why don't you let our listeners who haven't snuck a little peek at the description to see who we're talking to. Yeah. Do you, you, do you ever know? just let your podcast play on and don't actually look at the titles? I do. Uh, I had the wonderful opportunity. Thanks to Apple TV plus uh, to chat with quite a few of the cast. Um, I spoke with Leah Harvey, who plays Salvor Hardin, uh, Cassian Bilton, uh, who plays brother day uh, or sorry, brother Don. Um, I spoke with Colvinder gear who plays Polly uh, Lee pace, who is brother day and, Laura Byrne, um, who plays Demerzel, uh, who's kind of honestly one of the, I think, one of the best performances uh, in the show. Um, and, of course, the creator and showrunner uh, of this show, David S. Goyer, uh, which was such a delight. Yeah, he's the showrunner and executive producer. Obviously, he's not the creator because uh, sure. Isaac Asimov, Asimov is the, is the creator. Uh, is the creator. Um, yeah, I'm very excited for our listeners to to enjoy these interviews. So now that we've gotten all that out of the way, let's get to our lovely interviews with the cast and showrunner executive producer of Apple TV's Foundation. First up is our interview with Leah Harvey. Enjoy. Hey, Leah. My name is Nate. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today on the Geek Centric Podcast. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Oh, talking to you. I'm wonderful. Um, <laughs> in the first season of this show, uh, you were kind of on your own uh, story, separate from Gail. And in this season, you get to spend the entire time with her. Can you tell me what was it like to act alongside someone who's your character's mother, but she's as young as you? <laughs> yeah it's that's always going to be an odd experience I think um, but you know Lou and I spent a lot of time in season one outside of filming and okay. so when we came to season two we were we, we already had a way of communicating a good vocabulary like we um we had a chemistry so we were able to really draw on that and uh and, and trust each other with the choices that we were both making so it was great to be able to work with Lou with with Jared and just with everyone like it's it's great to be able to work with um, people who are a central part of the show and who are really big parts of the kind of foundation of the show. It was nice to be able to team up a little bit. I love that. Yeah, all the foundation puns. Let's keep them going. Um, <laughs> uh, and Yes, exactly. And I'm sure getting to spend more time with Lou must have been lovely as well. I've heard you guys are pretty tight. Yeah, it's nice. It's Very nice. cool. Um, now, in this season, you get into some pretty rough and tumble fight sequences. Uh, and I saw in another interview that when you were younger, you, you you did tap dancing. Are there any parallels between tap dancing and kicking asses, Salvor Hardin? I would say so, yeah, I think there yeah. are. Um, you know what, it, there actually are, like timing is a big thing in, in doing fight sequences. And so mm -hmm. with any dancing, you have to be in time. You have to be able to count the time and like hit the, be on point with your choreography. And it's very similar with fight because it's actually more dangerous. So, <laughs> so you gotta you gotta really be on top of it. Um, so yeah, lots of skills drawn from dancing go into fighting. Very cool, very cool. Well, I mean, speaking of of skills uh, and maybe even like life lessons, is, are there any sort of life lessons that, as your time as Salvor, that you've sort of taken away and and maybe implemented into your day to day? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think I've built up a real sense of um, like confidence in myself um, as a as a person who is a leader and who when I'm when I need to be and who um, 
people look up to, you know, um, I, you know, I went to a drama school and I go back there all the time and I talk to them about my experiences and it's nice to be able to share those stories and to pass it on to people who are younger, who are coming up and who will be playing these kinds of characters in the future. It's great. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. And I love, I love that, that you get to play, uh, Salvor in particular. Um, now in terms of, uh, going through that and, and playing this character, um, in in season two in particular, I guess without spoilers, this might be kind of tough, but <laughs> what is maybe, is there a specific episode or a specific interaction that you're really looking forward to seeing, you know, sort of the fans reaction to? Yeah, I, I, there are like, there's a lot of moments between um, Salvor and Gail where they reconnect, but they also kind of don't get each other sometimes. <laughs> you know, as we all do with our mums and daughters and things like that. So I'm really looking forward to the audience seeing that development of that relationship. And there are some key moments that really change things. And um, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a nice little development for that relationship. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, Leah, that is my time. But thank you so much again for taking the time to chat with me today. I wish I had more time. You are so excellent in this show and I, I can't wait to see what you do next. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Next up is our interview with Cassian Bilton. Hey Cassian, my name is Nate. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me on the Geek Centric Podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you, yeah, I'm really well. How are you doing? Oh, I'm talking to all of you folks, so it's been fantastic. Um, <laughs> it's great to get to talk to you about such an interesting role as Cleon split between three men. Uh, mm -hmm. And in the show, we see Dusk and Day giving you, sometimes nefariously, but giving you advice at times. Yes. Uh, what was it like on set between Terrence, Lee, and yourself? Did they also give you similar advice? Yeah, I think that's the weird thing about playing this part, particularly when I started the job, is that they have welcomed me just in the, and nurtured me just in the same way that you see Brother Day and Brother Dusk. Um, mm -hmm look after Brother Dawn, particularly in those dinner table scenes with the very young Dawn. Yeah. Um, it's been a joy working with the two of them. I mean, they're just, they're so, so generous and have, have taught me so much. I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and and I have to say, you're uh, you're the most likable Cleon out of the three. I mean, I'll don't tell it. the don't it. tell the others. They might they might execute me. But as the uh, as the most <laughs> as the most likable Cleon, why do you think Dawn is consistently shown as the more hopeful, caring Cleon. I think there's something that David touches on, which is embedded in the show, mm -hmm. which is, I think there is a hopefulness about Foundation and is looking to the future and hoping that things will get better. I think naturally we always look at the youngest component of any family or any child and think, well, the future's in you, so let's put all our trust in or hope in this like younger individual. Mm -hmm. um, so may maybe that's why. Yeah, you have to ask David. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I mean that makes sense. Like, don't like the beginning of a new day is like you're yeah. always you wake up in the morning, you're like, okay, today's gonna be a good day, and then yeah, yeah, it's not until the afternoon know. when you realize it's not. <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> not. And then dusk comes, and then you're just like, okay, I just want to retire. It is um, game over. Yeah. <laughs> is there anything you've taken away from Don as a lesson for your everyday life? Like, is there anything while you're playing Don that you're kind of like? I think I'm going to start to do this more in my day to day. I think he tries to sometimes not to his betterment, but I think he always tries to see the best in the people around him. Yeah. He tries to look for kindness in a world that doesn't treat him that kindly. Mm. Um, and I think the Cleons are really starved of any affection or intimacy in that, in that enormous palace. Absolutely. <laughs> and, they're, and they're a robot. So I think he's the one of the three that seems to look for kindness in people. And that's something that, 
I think we could all learn from. Yeah, and I I love how in you know in this in 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 the universe of foundation, mm. it's just like in our our real lives, like almost sometimes the more popular you get, uh, and especially in the case of someone ruling the galaxy, mm. uh, it's crazy how how lonely uh, that life can be. Yeah, I mean, in a, in a lot of ways, the Cleons live a lavish life. In a lot of ways, they live a very sad and lonely existence just i mean yeah. the idea of just hanging out with two other me's and a robot doesn't sound <laughs> like that much fun <laughs> for sure for sure um and lastly is there a particular moment in season two I, it's going to be tough without spoiling things but is there a particular specific moment or episode in season two that you really look forward to you know the fans reaction and, and sort of seeing what they what they get out of it is there a specific episode that they should to be, be waiting the for? arrival of of, of queen sarath which and the cloud dominion which comes early doors but i normally the cleons invite visitors and it's very much on their own terms yeah and she comes in with a whole agenda and oh. definitely mixes things up so i think that's something you haven't seen the cleons face before Absolutely. Uh, and i don't know if they're quite ready for it but you have to wait no. and see what happens yeah yeah very excited very cool cassian that is my time but thank you so much again for taking the time to chat with me so much. you're fantastic in this show and i i can't wait to see where your character goes next thank you Cheers. have a nice day next next up is our interview with Colvinder gear hey Colvinder, my name is nate thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today on the geek centric podcast how are you doing we're really good there <laughs> that's good that's good to hear um you know in season one your character polly was a young boy uh, and now in season two, respectfully, he's a little older, uh, I'd say, <laughs> but you you still manage to convey that sense of uh, playfulness and showmanship that Jairaj had uh, in season one. What was it like adapting that? And did you talk to Jairaj at all about the role? I talked to him, I think, a couple of times on the phone just to uh, make him feel comfortable that, you know, uh, he, he's in good hands. Polly's yeah. <laughs> in good hands. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I again, you know, uh, humor, humor is important for us as well because that all exists in every individual. So you wanted to bring that into Polly. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the pathos, I think, is important within this uh, to the extremes of Polly's emotions where he can travel to mm -hmm. uh, uh, and his sincerity. He's quite genuine in that way, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. And honest, I would say. Yeah, I, I love that. I love and I love how he's um, he is this showman, though, at the same time, like he's he's very much it very much fits. I've seen some of your work and it very much fits kind of your personality as well. Oh, thank you. I mean, it does fit the glove in that sense. You know, he has yeah. a showman because he needs to sell <laughs> religion <laughs> so people, he can get more and more disciples. And he uses um, science magic in that respect uh, to attract more and more uh, disciples into foundation. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, kind of on that sort of topic, you've played characters rooted in culture in our in our real life history on Earth. But what you know, how do you wrap your head around becoming a, a prophet for a religion based around a scientist a thousand years in the future? I think what I did do was when I started working on Polly was to neutralize him, really. Mm. Uh, to base him in non-identity of culture. Uh, and, uh, I've got a, um, like I grew up in the north of England. I have quite a northern accent. Mm -hmm. uh, at the same time, uh, my, my uh, origins are, are from India in Punjab. 
but I grew up in East Africa in Nairobi. So mm. it lo- so the, the, the scope in you is massive. So I said, let's make him relatable to anybody and everybody. Mm. Let's neutralize him first. That is not actually one being from one particular place. He can be from anywhere and anybody. And that's what we try to do with our work anyway. Yeah. Is, you know, is to show that. Uh, that uh, we be, should be able to be anybody that the joy of being an actor I love uh, that. and go in all these different dimensions, if you want, you know, and I cool. wanted to bring that with Polly. Yeah. Uh, uh, and hopefully that, uh, and that happens. And I think that is brought through just him being honest and genuine as a person mm-hmm. and having those flaws as we might be, you know, might be drinkers or we might be kind of drug addicts or what but that's our normality as well you know we're not mm-hmm. not um, uh, he's not labeling to be a particular culture yeah yeah and but I, I also love how it shows this character that yes has all those flaws but is also as you said so genuine and so intelligent um yeah. is is there anything that you've taken away from Colvinder or sorry from uh from Polly as a, a lesson for your everyday life, or at least something that, you know, a message that you think people should take away from the character? Uh, question. Yeah. You question, uh, you oh. want to question everything and everything more, you know, you, you, uh, it does make you question yourself, uh, mm-hmm. uh, who you are and what you are through Polly, uh, because of what he, the journey of that revolution he's on. Mm. and what he wants, you know, for what is right for the people. So you're yeah. constantly looking and questioning. So I think that was one thing enlightened in me was to constantly question more. About that. Yeah, keep questioning, keep questioning. Col- yeah. uh, Colinder, thanks so much again for taking the time to chat with me. You are so wonderful. You're a light of 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 a brightness in this sort of somewhat, at times, dark series. So thank you so much. And I can't wait to see where Polly ends up next and how old he might be. Pleasure. Thank you very much. Next is our interview with Lee Pace and Laura Byrne. Greetings, Empire. My name is Nate. Thank you so much. Both <laughs> Nate, for taking sure the time. Today. Oh, thank you. I love it. <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me on the Geek Centric podcast. Um, I am so stoked to get to talk to both of you. I love both of your performances in this show. Um, and I want to start with uh kind of talking about emotions. Laura, you know, Demerzel. She's a robot, but you you masterfully make her so relatable and at times at times so heartbreaking in your performance. How do you balance the drip feed of emotion that slowly starts to build within the character? Well, thank you for your beautiful words. I, I do love playing Demerzel. There's kind of like I love the the I do actually and and sometimes it's challenging, kind of like it's because the the line is kind of very thin how not to become too human or too machinery but i love kind of the i think what what is interesting about her is that like well she's lived for twenty five thousand years she's seen everything she's felt everything she's observed every kind of human she's like she's learned from all of kind of like characters and 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 people and all that is inside her and it's kind of like a a fire inside her there's a lot Mm. of life inside her a lot of knowledge and a lot of pain a lot of joy there's all that but then her like strength is in kind of like not showing that like not just holding it together but then there are moments like i love to treat this story inside the old grandness of it kind of like a family story they have a 
small dysfunctional family and sometimes mm -hmm. your family members drive you nuts they drive you <laughs> crazy they drive you over the edge and then that one tear like squeezes out of yourself or like there's a moment of oh. but here's the thing yeah she's a robot yeah the question becomes like can, she might be a very sophisticated ai yes. but right. there, but, it, but it is an impossibility that she would feel emotions no matter how sophisticated her programming is that are <laughs> the same as what a what a what a messy human would feel that's the that's the, the that's the the thing i think you have to keep in mind watching her i mean as an audience right yeah well it's it's like is it emotions or is it emulation right and i think that's i think laura i think that's the best part about your performance in that is that it's like we don't know we can't tell you know yeah, I mean? yeah exactly because yeah. i yeah. agree with you she's so masterfully kind of like she's the most emotional character on the show I well I, I i i don't know about that lee because for yourself you know your your multiple iterations of this man a lot of emotions right <laughs> this season especially like you're not he, you know cleon is not afraid to show more emotion how do you shift between that regal prolific empire and the very delicate broken man that is cleon um i well oof, i don't know i mean i think he is broken i think the thing about him is He's not, but he's not really one for self-reflection. Mm. And um, what he's thinking about is his ambition. He's thinking about his legacy. He's thinking about, um, he's thinking about himself. He's just thinking about what he wants and what he needs. He's a primitive thing. Yeah. He's a primitive, messy, um, instinctual animal. This show is full of, you know, sophisticated robot Harry Seldon, who thinks that. Um, that mankind can be saved by logic, reason, math. And then you've got Cleon, who I think poses a, a counter to those arguments, which is there's a magic to being, being human. There is mm -hmm. a messy alchemy that, that comes in the emotional, um, spiritual fight for survival. Um, mm -hmm that that you cannot reason your way through you cannot um you can only muscle your way through you can only survive it i think that's what happened on the spiral Absolutely. i think he did receive a vision at the end of it and the vision was it's just you buddy it's just you you get no vision you get no magic sands you just get you and your body and your mind alone in the cave and it's yeah. and the weight of the galaxy is on your shoulders. What are you going to do about it? You know, that. Laura Lee, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Both of you are again, incredible in the show. And I can't wait to see where your characters go next. Thank you so much. Oh, good. Thank well, you thank very you. much. Awesome. Thank Cheers. You. And thanks for the Bye. compliment. <laughs> awesome. Our final interview is with David Esquire, showrunner and executive producer of foundation. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. That's a very colorful shirt you're wearing. Thank you. Our final interview is with David Esquire, showrunner and executive producer of Foundation. Spanning so many characters, planets, cultures, religions, all over the course of hundreds, sometimes thousands of years. What goes into the strategy of making this story accessible and keeping track of all of it? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of flow charts. Okay. Uh, um... Sometimes we get lost ourselves. Sometimes me and my fellow writers and producers have to double check each other or we'll catch ourselves on one of the sets and say, oh, wait, 
we got that we got that wrong. <laughs> we'll have to go back and reshoot something. But in terms of the accessibility, I mean, that's the thing that I preach all the time to people. I say we want the show to feel classic. We want it to feel timeless. Mm-hmm. Yes, we employ a lot of the tropes of science fiction, but every storyline, I say, what happens if we strip all the science fiction out? Would the story still work if it were a contemporary Mm -hmm. story? And and what are the antecedents we can point to that make this relatable? Because if people can't relate to it, it doesn't matter how many cool creatures we have or how many gadgets, then they're just going to completely check out. Mm -hmm. So that accessibility, I think, is key. Yeah, yeah, and I... I I definitely feel that kind of, especially in this second season, um, and and I, I appreciate it because it's again, I like I kind of go back and forth on like the show doesn't hold your hand, but then as you start to get to know these characters and start to see again, just like you're saying, sort of how relatable they are, um, well, that, that's where I truly connect with it. That's the secret sauce. I mean, yeah. I don't, I as a viewer, I don't like shows that hold my hand. So mm-hmm. as a showrunner, I don't like to make that kind of show. That being said. I, I like to portray the characters in a very real, intimate, sometimes funny way. I like to have them react as you or I would react to some of these crazy things. And, and, yeah. and I think that's the key is even if some of the terms are crazy, the way that the, the characters are behaving, you can relate to. You can see that they're rolling their eyes at something or you can see that they're uncertain or they're falling in love with someone or they're you know, taking the piss at someone. I mean, that's, I think that's the key. Well, I think that's definitely true for um, the the character of Becky. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, but I heard that in another interview that your your dad asked you to bring this story uh, to the screen. If he yes. was still with us today, what do you think he'd say about what you've created? I think well, both my mother and my father have passed away, and they were mm. both fans of uh, fans of Foundation, so they never got to see it. But I think they would be very proud, and I think they would have considered the crowning achievement of my career. Uh, you know, certainly my dad was the one that gave me foundation and he said it's the greatest science fiction work of all time. And, and actually on his deathbed, he said, I think you should make it one day. So um, it does feel like the journey of my career has come full circle in that regard. I love that. I love that. My, my dad is responsible for my love of Star Wars. Um, so I, I completely get that, that connection and that relationship. Um, now, you know, there's so many wonderful characters, uh, in this show. They're so fascinating. Is there one specific character and it's kind of hard to choose because it's like, oh, choose between my children or whatever, but is there one character that maybe you align with and feel personally connected to? Um, I adored the character of Bel Rios when I was reading the books mm-hmm. and Ben Daniels is one of my favorite actors. So the fact that I got to work with him and he got to inhabit that character, I mean, that was that was phenomenal for me and that I got to direct him and direct the character of Bel Rios was phenomenal for me. I have a lot of empathy for Polly. I think he's kind of the heart and soul of the show. Yep. Cool did a wonderful job and I love his journey as someone who's kind of fallen from grace and has to refine his faith. Um, I just think there's a lot of humanity in some of the characters we introduced in season two. And so uh, that part was really fun. Yeah, absolutely. The humanity is, the foundation we've been using a lot of foundation puns in this junket so uh it is the foundation of the show um thank you so much again for taking the time to chat i i thoroughly enjoyed season two i think maybe even more than than season one so congrats good i i, I yeah. hope i hope people keep liking each additional episode you know season more i'm more and more i was proud of season one but i'm even more proud of season two so i hope that's the case yeah, and I can't wait to see this this series continue and, and what's next for this massive story. So thank you. Thank you so much, David. Thank you. 
And we're back, you know, kicking things off. You know, your interview with Leah, Cassian, and Colvinder, I, I really enjoyed how you were able to get them to talk about their characters as as people that they're almost parallel to and become in a lot of ways and, and how they are able to sort of relate uh, to to their characters in, in a more uh, humanistic way. Yeah, I mean, you know, for, for everyone... Uh, aside from Colvinder, you know, this is the this is their second season uh, of doing this show. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think getting to talk to all of them in the way that you, you just said, the way that they're sort of talking about their experiences just speaks exactly to what David was saying in his interview uh, of just how much they all have such a focus on their characters uh, as, you know, individuals so that they can all be so relatable and David called it the secret sauce to the series uh, and and in terms of its accessibility and I wholeheartedly agree I think this show kind of like we were talking discussing at the top of the show it can sort of feel really difficult to get into or to connect with because of its scale uh, and and just how much it really doesn't hold your hand at first but if you give it time to breathe and you really take the time to push past the sci-fi of it all I think you really you'll get an excellent look at these you know these fantastical characters as actual people dealing with some of the most high concept sci-fi stuff ever written but at the same time it's it's it is that that connection that the 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 basis of emotions um and the the humanity of it all and at the end of the day well you can look at these big giant ships and these you know uh, hundreds of years spanning technology and 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 you know some of these really really high you know yeah, high you, level you could, things yeah you, yeah you can check out pretty quickly if you if you're just looking for those things right, right? you like like goyer was saying and in, in his interview and also uh you know while we're talking about that interview uh, i think it was really great for you to um you know ask the question about what his his father would think yeah. um and you know this obviously meant a lot to him and and probably one of the biggest drivers as to why he he wanted to bring this show to life and you know for him to to kind of have that rec recognition that his career's kind of come full circle mm -hmm. you know it's all kind of prepared him to come to this opportunity where he could tell the story that his parents you know both his mother and father apparently were fans of that that has to feel really rewarding yeah man i i the thing is is i i, I think I absolutely agree with him. I think his parents would be incredibly proud of him, and and, and rightfully so. I think this this season uh, I found I enjoyed even more than season one. I think overall it's more of a success than last season, uh, and I really do hope that they get to keep going. I think there's so many books, so much you know story to pull from. I think they could they could easily surpass five seasons if they wanted to. Um, and I, I think it's just all going to be about, it's going to come down to how much will audiences uh, adopt this show. And I really hope they do. Again, if you're listening, I, I'd say if you're a fan of sci-fi, if you enjoyed, you know, Dune, Star Wars, Game of Thrones, give this a shot past its first season. And I really do think uh, you'll be taken with it. And I, 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 for me, a lot of it does come down to, uh, just like we're saying with the emotion, the performances, um, Lee Pace is so stellar in this series. Um, I always knew he was a phenomenal actor, but getting to sort of get so much of him and such a broad range of, of seeing his character as uh, this, this emperor uh, of the universe, which is such a ridiculous thing to think about. But, you know, I think 
I think it, you know, just as we were saying, it, watching him in this interview, I mean, he talks a lot. <laughs> I've watched other interviews with him, and, uh, and yeah, he didn't he, talk that much here. But it was great when him and Laura started sort of had this like philosophical question about Demerzel. You know, is she human? Is she not? Based on the emotions that she projects, and you know, you guys kind of had this great aha moment where it's like. You don't know if it's real or if it's just, you know, if it's if it's something that's artificial. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's that's what's great about, you know, Laura Burns, you know, uh, sort of realization of how she manifests this character. She has to understand that line. Right. There's a line there of, of you know, understanding how far you can go with being you know robotic, if you will, while also still layering in a more human touch. So, um, again, Fantastic interviews all around with this cast and, of course, with the showrunner and executive producer. We are so grateful for getting these opportunities to chat with people and and learn all sides of the project. Again, huge thanks to our friends at Apple TV Plus for uh, setting this up. And you don't have to wait long to enjoy season two of Foundation, which premieres globally with the first three episodes on Friday, July 14th, 2023. So this Friday on Apple TV Plus, followed by new episodes weekly every Friday exclusively on Apple TV Plus. Uh, Nate, great job with these interviews. It was it was absolutely Thanks, fantastic. Man. I'm glad that you were able to do it because you're a huge fan of the show. Yeah. Uh, you're, you've, you've, you've definitely talked about it uh, at lengths with, with all of us. So bravo. But that's it for this special Behind the Geeks episode for Foundation. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode and you want to let us know, uh, well, you can reach out to us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us on Twitter at geekcentricyt or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. And yes, we are on the threads. We're threading. <laughs> so uh, you can reach out to us there as well uh, at We Are Geek Centric. Keep in mind, we have a ton of other great episodes, including more interviews uh, like this one. You can actually check out tons of interviews on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash geekcentric. There you can actually see uh, a video with all these lovely uh, interviews. So you can see Nate interacting with Lee Pace and Laura Byrne and David S. Goyer and the entire cast. Uh, But also we have other outstanding interviews there, uh, like my set of interviews with the cast of Nimona, as well as the director's and the creator of Nimona, which is currently on Netflix. So you can check those out at youtube.com slash geekcentric. Also, we have our ongoing watch club for Marvel Studios Secret Invasion. Three episodes are out. We're halfway through the season. And actually, tomorrow we'll be watching episode four, and we will be releasing our uh, watch club for that episode Friday. Plus, we got a ton of spoiler-free reviews, including our most recent review for The After Party Season 2, which is actually on Apple TV Plus as of today, July 12th. Uh, if, If you're listening to this, on the day of release so if you're a fan of that show we definitely encourage you to check out our spoiler free review before you jump in to the first two episodes which will be available on apple tv plus we we don't necessarily give it a rating because we didn't get all the episodes but we do talk in great lengths about what worked about the the season and uh, if there was anything that that didn't work for us Uh, so definitely go give that a listen as well you know we're amidst the hot geek summer that train is chug chug chugging along i know uh this past monday we actually dropped our spoiler free review for mission impossible dead reckoning part one we got spoiler free 
reviews for all the summer blockbusters, including Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. We have our spoiler-free review for Nimona, which again is available on Netflix. We got our spoiler-free review for Wes Anderson's Asteroid City. We got spoiler-free reviews for The Flash, Elemental. It has been a busy, busy summer, and there's still more to cover. Um, so lots to lots to look forward to. So be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. But until then, as we say, love ya. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>